Hi, Gary Zacharias here with the Apologist Bookshelf. Let's take a look at an older book by Dr. Stephen Meyer. Uh, he put out this book called Return of the God Hypothesis, and I've already done a, a podcast on that one. This is an older one of his, but it's wonderful. It's called Signature in the Cell. And of course, he's a former geophysicist, a college professor, uh, works with the Discovery Institute in Seattle. And this book, Signature in the Cell, deals with intelligent design. It's something like 500 pages, a lot of information there. But he focuses on the importance in 1953 when they found out the DNA molecule was able to carry a lot of information. And so that's what he calls it's a signature in the cell, according to him. So I'd like to go through the whole book rather than giving you just one chapter. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to do a kind of a once through. He, in the beginning chapters, he defines what's at stake in this DNA enigma. He starts talking about Darwin, and Darwin had said, well, look, yeah, things do look designed, but it can be explained by natural selection, just working on random variations. But along come Watson and Crick. These are scientists who discovered that there was a structure of DNA, and it stores information. It's a four-character chemical alphabet, A-G-C-T. And uh, this information is used to build protein molecules. And the protein molecules, those are the, the, the machinery, basically, that the cell needs to survive. And this alphabet is like uh, letters that we would write. It's a written language or somewhat like a computer code. In fact, it's way more complicated. Bill Gates said DNA is like a computer program, but far, far more advanced than any software ever created. Well, then here comes the question. How, how did you get a chemical alphabet in DNA? Where did that information come from? I mean, you got to have information, so it's, it's kind of like a uh, blueprint. you got to have that blueprint so you can figure out how to build a living organism. You have to have the information first. And then uh, Meyer refers to a book that came out in the 80s, controversial book called The Mystery of Life's Origin. And he says those authors came to the conclusion that no theory has been able to explain the origin of the first life and that it might be an intelligent source that brought that information into DNA. For the next part of his book, Meyer then describes the mystery that surrounds that DNA in a little bit more detail, and he tells the whole story of Watson and Crick. Uh, scientists realized when they began to figure out the structure that DNA could store an immense amount of information. So then Meyer's, Meyer tells us a little bit about proteins that they're used to build these cellular machines that we have going on inside of us all the time. They carry, they deliver cellular materials, they allow all sorts of chemical reactions to take place. And to do this, a cell has to have thousands of different kinds of proteins, and each one has a specific shape. These proteins are made of even smaller molecules called amino acids. So if you structure the protein, you're doing it through amino acids. So think of them as like uh, little pop beads that we used to have as kids. And you, you put those together in a certain way and you form a shape, and that's what the protein is going to do. So the question was, how did the arrangement of the amino acids come about? Well, it was Crick that suggested it was that four-character chemical alphabet in DNA that determined the arrangement of those amino acids. And then as they began, I say they, the scientists, as they began to look at the cell deeper and deeper with better microscopes and all, <clears throat> they figured out some of the arrangement of these amino acids, that there are mechanisms in the cell to transcribe and transport and translate the information in DNA so that the amino acid chains could be constructed 
all over the place. It's like Ford having a production facility. The cell uses this digitally encoded information, and I keep calling it a blueprint, to direct the manufacture of the parts of its machines. That's really amazing. So there's part of the, the to me, the interesting uh, part of the book. And then after that, Meyer begins to move, uh, I guess you'd say more, the looking at the different explanations for the origin of biological information. So where did all this information come from? Well, he says, maybe it's chance. I mean, that's a possibility, isn't it? Maybe. But many origin-of-life scientists realize how difficult it is to get specific, uh, specific biological information by chance alone in the limited time the Earth has been around. But it's even more difficult than this, Meyer points out. Trying to build a living cell not only requires specific information, but a vast amount of information. So he gives an example here. The simplest cell requires about 500 proteins, and that's 600 Oh, I'm sorry, 600,000 bases of DNA to assemble these proteins. So they did an experiment in the 1980s to try to figure out what's the possibility of achieving a functional sequence of amino acids. And they figured out, you know, to get yourself just a few proteins by chance. And they figured out it was about one chance in 10 to the 63rd power. Well, of course, I'm always um, totally blanked out when it comes to things like that. I don't know what that means. But he, he said it's about like picking out one atom out of every atom in the universe. Okay, that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty slim chance. Um, he says also, he said probably the most popular theory right now about how, how life began, if you're not going to buy into intelligent design, focuses on RNA molecules. So the idea is that RNA at one time both performed as proteins and DNA. So that, you know, we've said, how do you get proteins? You have to have DNA. But to get DNA, you have to have proteins. So it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? But Meyer says there are huge problems with this theory about the RNA acting as protein and DNA. He said RNA is easy to destroy. It's a poor substitute for proteins, and it doesn't explain the origin of that information. So he quotes Francis Crick, who said, in some sense, the origin of life appears at the moment to be almost a miracle, so many are the conditions which have had to have been satisfied to get it going. So I thought it was really interesting that Crick even said, appears to be almost a miracle. I like that, almost. If something's almost a miracle, I mean, he's giving up a lot there, isn't he, to say that. Well, Meyer ha has rejected then other options, so he comes down to intelligent design as the best explanation for all this information. He says there's no other adequate explanation out there. Then he claims that there is experimental evidence to back up intelligent design. What does he mean? Well, he's talking about experiments that try to simulate what prebiotic conditions were before life was on Earth. And he said, well, what you get is you, you get biologically irrelevant substances. It, it doesn't bring anything into, uh, into account or into uh, this world. He says intelligent design is only known cause of specified information. So his quote at this point says, intelligent design is the best, most causally adequate explanation of the origin of the information necessary to produce the first life on earth. Now, let's move to the last part of his book. He defends the theory of intelligent design against uh, objections that have been raised. For example, some say, well, intelligent design, 
that's an argument for inference. You just look at something and, and try to make the best guess. But he says that's not true. He says we already know from experience that intelligent agents do produce systems that have information. That's inference to the best explanation based upon our best available knowledge. not a hunch. It's not an argument from ignorance. That's what we see. And he says there's another complaint about the design inference. And here it is. If an intelligence designed the information in DNA, then who designed the designer? Ha, huh. gotcha. But he says that seems pretty odd. He says it's odd that somebody would find it illegitimate to infer that there is an intelligence that was uh, played a role in the origin of an event unless we could give a complete explanation of the nature and the origin of that intelligence. Now he gives an example. He says nobody needs to explain who designed the builders of Stonehenge or how they otherwise came into being, you can still infer that Stonehenge, this complex specified structure, was clearly the work of intelligent agents. Here's a third complaint about intelligent design that he takes on. It's just religion masquerading as science. Critics say it's not testable. So it's not rigorous and it's not scientific. So throw it out. But Meyer says different scientists and philosophers of science can't even agree what the scientific method is. So how do they decide what does and doesn't qualify as science? He rebuts these critics in several ways. First, he says, the case for intelligent design is based on empirical evidence, not religious dogma. Nobody's turning to the Bible or some other holy book and saying, here's the proof. It's empirical evidence that there's information in the cell. There's the irreducible complexity of molecular machines. Of course, that was uh, Behe who had a book called Darwin's Black Box that explored that. He said there's fine-tuning of our laws and constants of physics. All of these things, that's empirical evidence. He also says advocates of intel intelligent design use established scientific methods, especially the method of multiple competing hypotheses. For another thing, ID is testable by, complaining, by, <laughs> by comparing its explanatory power to that of other theories. So he says, let's take junk DNA as an example. Now the Darwinists are going to say, oh well, yeah, sure, there's junk DNA because it's non-functional DNA that got there through mutations that worked or didn't work. But if you're an ID proponent, you'd say, well, wait a minute, we think this is all designed, so there may not be really as much junk in this junk DNA. And it turns out and I've been reading on this with the ENCODE project and other things, that recent discoveries indicate this so-called junk DNA actually performs a diversity of important biological functions. Now, he's still pushing this idea that ID is scientific. He says, the case for ID exemplifies historical scientific reasoning. It addresses a specific question in evolutionary biology, like how did the appearance of design living systems arise, and it's supported by peer-reviewed scientific literature. So it's doing everything that typically science has done in the past. Well, here's another one. Those who don't buy into ID say it's not a scientific theory. It invokes an unobservable entity. It's not testable. It doesn't explain by reference to natural law. It doesn't make any predictions. It's not falsifiable. It cites no mechanisms, and it's not tentative. But Meyer says, wait a minute, hang on. Many scientific theories infer unobservable entities, causes, and events. Well, like what? He said, for example, there are all sorts of theories of evolution and transitional intermediate forms of life. That's unobservable. How did that happen? You can't observe it. 
Historical sciences, he says, commonly use indirect methods of testing as they weigh competing unobservable events to decide which has the greatest explanatory power. So the theory of intelligent design is subject to empirical testing and refutation. Many times scientists will say that a theory has to explain all phenomena by reference to purely material causes, but Meyer wonders, well, why would science be defined that way? It has to stick to purely material causes. He says that isn't the way science worked in the past. They haven't always restricted themselves to naturalistic hypotheses. In fact, he says, today, there are a lot of scientific fields that do suggest intelligent causes. He says, consider archaeology and forensics and astrobiology and anthropology. And then he spends a section of his book, as he really needs to, because I've heard this many times, he refutes the idea that intelligent design is religion. He says religions usually involve formal structures and practices and rituals. They're missing an ID. And it doesn't offer a comprehensive system of belief about whatever the intelligence is that's behind the design in the universe. The theory of intelligent design does not affirm any sectarian doctrine. He says, well, sure, this theory has religious and metaphysical implications, but you you shouldn't dismiss it on those grounds. He says, after all, intelligent design is not the only idea that has metaphysical or religious implications. What about Darwinism? It has huge metaphysical and religious implications. He says, no, instead, scientific theory should be evaluated on the evidence rather than the implications they, they may have. And I think that's powerful. I'd like to say that one again, that, that scientific theories should be evaluated on evidence instead of the implication, oh, I don't like where this is heading. Well, what scientists should be saying that? None. I like that. And he says Antony Flew, he gives an example there, an atheistic philosopher who became a proponent of intelligent design, said we should follow the evidence wherever it leads. And Meyer argues also that the motivations of the people behind the theory shouldn't validate them either. That's, it's not the motivation that determines the merits, it's the quality of the arguments. It's the relevance of the evidence. And then Meyer ends his book by explaining why this issue matters. He says, after all, if, if you can push the idea of intelligent design and, and have it taken seriously, that puts a challenge, big challenge to the materialistic worldview that's so dominant today. He said for a lot of people, materialism seemed liberating, but it was dispiriting instead, because what does it suggest? If there's no God, if there's no design, we have no purpose. We're all accidents. Nothing lasts beyond the grave. Just hope you have a nice funeral. Everything will be gone. The universe eventually will spin down to heat death. But intelligent design says the ultimate cause of life is personal, suggesting there's something beyond this life. Oh, I like that very much. Well, I spent a long time going through Signature of the Cell. I I do like wrestling with interesting concepts, and this is only scratching the surface of the content in this summary. But I did want to pass along to you at least the main points and maybe arouse your curiosity to know more about this. So that's Stephen Meyer's book. Uh, you can find a lot of YouTube videos. He's been uh, interviewed on so many shows and uh, interesting guy. I like everything that he puts out. Quite a challenge to the uh, scientific community that doesn't want to hear it. So thanks for listening and we'll do another podcast soon.